have a new era about to begin. Jacob, the third of the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, uh, later named Israel, is now dying, and he knows he's going to his fathers. He knows, he knows he's going on to be gathered to his people. In verse 1, he says, it says, And Jacob called unto his sons and said, Gather yourselves together, that I may tell you what shall befall you in the last days. Gather yourselves together, and hear, ye sons of Jacob, and hearken unto Israel your father. Jacob calls his sons. Later on, it says he pulls up his feet into bed. Uh, it kind of gives the connotation. Maybe he was leaning on the side of his bed. This is an old man. He knows he's dying. And I feel like he had this one more supernatural moment of strength to sit up. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring my sons in one more time. Because he literally dies here on his deathbed uh, just a few moments later. And I feel like he's sitting up in, in the bed. And he says, now, everybody, come here. I need to talk to you. I need to tell you what's going to happen. I need to tell you what, uh, what you did. And I need to tell you the future. This moment, Genesis 49, some people have called it the judgment seat of Jacob. And as we look at this chapter, we're going to look at how this applies to us because one day we will be judged. And it's great to come get a diploma. Today is the day of commendation. Today is, today is the day of great job. You got all those assignments in, or your parents got all those assignments in uh, and did that science fair project for you last minute. Uh, you, you got all the work done. You got all the things accomplished, and we give you a diploma, and it's a great time to receive that reward. But it's a reminder to these guys and to all of us that one day we're going to go and we will, be, we will be judged. And he won't miss grade. And he won't miss anything. And he won't make an error. And Jacob is doing that with his sons. He's, re, he's, he's reminiscing, going back over life with them and saying, okay, come and let me talk to you a little bit. And the Bible says the Lord Jesus is going to do that with us one day. It was 2006. It was right before we came to Hattiesburg. Uh, we had just been hired, Brother Miller. Uh, I, tell, I tell him, I, lost, I lose a lot of respect for you when we look back at pictures of me and TJ and all these guys. We look like teenagers, and you hired us. And uh, he brought us here. We flew in and uh, met them, didn't know anybody really here. The church was not in a good place. Was, and those, of you, those of you that were here remember that. And uh, but for whatever reason, the Lord drew us here. Uh, I can remember sitting in the back in Sunday school. Everybody was in here. Brother Bennett, big, tall Brother Bennett was sitting back here. And uh, I, I, this is one of those memories I have. This massive, giant man is back here. And uh, we went through Sunday school. There was no life-changing sermon, but I just, I went back and told Rachel. We were dating. We were engaged at the time, I think. I said, this is it's it, this here. I, like, it doesn't make sense, but it's Hattiesburg. We're going to Mississippi. And uh, we moved here. Before we did, I was finishing school in uh, Indiana and uh, working in the Chicagoland area, Indiana, uh, Illinois area. Uh, I was working with some friends. I was done with school. Rachel was finishing school. I was up there working with friends, trying to save for a ring and a wedding and a honeymoon and all that. Uh, and so and had nothing to do in life except for work all day, trying to get as much overtime as possible and just save up all my money. Lived in a nasty, old, dank place apartment, but I paid as cheap as possible because I was trying to save every penny I could. And um, I'm driving to work, and usually we carpooled. I don't remember why on this day I was by myself, but uh, we were usually working second shift and working sometimes on the weekend late into the night, sometimes 12, 1, 2 in the morning, uh, depending. We were working at Roadrunner Dawes, uh, filling up trucks on a forklift, uh, and uh, driving on the docks there, filling up big 18-wheelers. And uh, I, 
I was driving back home from that job. This is the uh, suburbs of Chicago, Cook County, huge population, tons of people. You know, some days on, on the weekends, it would take us almost an hour and a half to get to work because of the traffic. It usually took about 45 minutes or so. And uh, I want to say it was a Friday night, but at the end of the night, 1 o'clock, 2 in the morning, the roads had kind of cleared up a little bit. And I'm just cruising. Uh, they say in the north there's two seasons, winter and road construction. Um, and it is true, I live up there now. That, the winter is so hard on the streets, they have to repave everything every year. We have cones all around us. There's cones everywhere. It's the national, uh, national bird, I think, national uh, animal we have is a cone uh, sitting on the highway. Um, and so it was no different here. We were finishing up. It was about springtime in that area, Illinois, in Bolingbrook, Illinois. I was going back home and uh, late at night, and I'm just cruising like a 24-year-old just finished college student would do, 23-year-old. I'm just moving and uh, not paying attention to signs that say minimum fine, $400 uh, in the work zone. Now, there were no workers there. And, uh, you know, the, the cones changed. You just got used to driving aggressively in big cities. And so we were just flying. I, I was just going right along, flying through. And uh, sure enough, the lights come on behind me. Oh, man. And I pull over. I think, that's oh, going to be 100 200 bucks, whatever. And the police officer says, <clears throat> it's going to be, you know, the minimum is 400 Oh, my goodness. Uh, not only that, you have to show up in court. Cook County Courthouse. Okay. I look at the date. This is like two weeks after we're getting married. Like, I'm, going, I'm, going, I'm moving down south. I cannot be in Cook County in Illinois after I get married. And so I called the court. I called the place where they had the little number on there, and I said, look, hey, and I've done this before. I had a three- or four-year stretch where I was having a hard time with the law in my lead foot. <laughs> <laughs> and so a lot of times they would give you a thing that says, hey, you come to court, and I would say, can I pay this? Pay it online, pay it on the phone, no big deal. So I called again and said, hey, I'm going to be out of town. Can we pay this over the phone? And this lady was mean. She yelled at me, you can't do that get to court. And I'm like, but I've done this before. No, you can't. You've never done that. Don't lie to me. And she was the meanest person. And she made me, they, made, they, they would not relent on this court date. Like, oh my goodness. So we get married. We go honeymoon. Uh, we drove down to see uh, my brother in Florida. They were living in Florida at the time. All our family, I think most of our family, maybe mom and dad were there too, but we were all there for some reason. I can't remember all the details. We just got married, just newly wed. We all met in Florida for uh, about a week, spent time with Brent and Melissa and their family. And then I had to get a flight from Florida all the way to, uh, to Chicago, to O'Hare Airport or Midway, whichever one it was. Flew in there. I had to buy a plane ticket. I had to get a car. I had to get a hotel for the night. Um, that ticket cost me probably over $1,000 to get everything taken care of. And, uh, but I walk in that courthouse that day. This is Cook County. I was looking this up. Cook County is the second most populous county in the United States. We're a long way from Forest County at this point. Uh, these folks deal with the criminals and the gangs and the crowd of Chicago. Chicago is the county seat, I believe. And so uh, we're in there, and I walk in. It's this massive building. It's this big building. And I'm, I'm already nervous. And I'm walking in here with my ticket, like, please, please, sir, uh, ha have it easy. Take it easy on me. Have mercy. I walk in and uh, sit in the court and wait for my name to be called. Amongst all the drug addicts and dregs of society that live in the Chicagoland area. Finally, my name is called, and here I am, a Bible college student, just finished up, trying, newlywed, trying to get out of here and go to this place called Hattiesburg and meet my wife back in Florida so we can drive here. We're literally driving here like that week, that next week. And I walk in front of the judge, and my mind's, you know, I, they call your name, and it's just you. Mom and dad can't be with you anymore. 
your wife, your new wife is not with you, you are by yourself. And you walk down the aisle and stand in front of the podium. You know, and you exaggerate the memory from way back. It felt like, it felt like that judge was 50 feet in the air. I'm looking up, terrified. Cook County, they don't play around there. There's no deals. There's no bad. There, you, and so this, I think the judge gave me a little bit of a hard time. But I remember holding that paper like, just could you please let me pay my fine and get out of here? I was scared. I was terrified. It was a frightening experience standing in front of that judge in such a big courtroom where so many, no doubt, big cases had taken place. And here I am just trying to play, pay a speeding ticket. I think about that day when I think about how the Lord's going to call us up. And I don't know what it's going to look like. I don't know what that day's going to be. I don't know how big the crowd's going to be. You know, we can all imagine what that day's going to look like. But if I'm terrified in front of a Cook County courthouse judge, uh, what's it going to be like when that one who's, who, who bled for me with his nail prints in his hands, and I see him that day for the first time, I see him in the flesh, I see him, the one whom we believe, and I walk up to that judgment seat, and I have to answer. Not for a speeding ticket, but I have to answer for my life. And he says, I gave you what I gave you. Now, what did you do with it? Jacob calls his sons to this judgment seat. Jacob calls his sons to his bedside. I can't imagine, I was thinking this, I can't imagine my dad, who's here tonight, knowing he's on his deathbed and saying, come here, I need to tell you a few last things, and the report be bad. The last word my father ever told me was, I didn't do well. I messed up. I tarnished my name. And some of Jacob's sons see that today. What Jacob's sons did before the judgment determined how their tribe fared in the future. Now they're being called to now they're being called to account, and they're being told their future in this Old Testament kingdom. It's a picture of the judgment seat. Now the great thing is that we will not be judged for our place in the family here. No one of the sons, Jacob, Jacob didn't call any of the 12 and say, you're out of the family. I'm divorcing you from the family. I'm writing you out. You can't be a part anymore. You've done so bad. Everybody's in the family here. And it goes without saying, but we're going to say it. Everyone that is saved will stand at the judgment seat of Christ. And those that are not saved, those that are lost, will stand at a way worse judgment. And you'll be judged for your sin. Thank God I won't be called. I Thank God I won't be penalized for my sin. Our sin must be paid either in hell or it must be paid at the cross. If you've come to the cross, thank God we don't have to go to that great white throne judgment. But if you're not saved in here, I know there's family and there's people visiting. I don't know everybody here. And I don't know everyone's situation. If you don't know Christ, you will stand at the great white throne judgment and there will be no excuse. You will be judged by your sin. Everyone is guilty of sin. You'll be thrown into the lake of fire. The Bible says this is the second death. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. The day is so frightening. The Bible says heaven and earth flee. If heaven and earth could even get, away, get out of the sight of God himself, they would. The whole earth would flee. We would flee if we had the chance. But that day is coming for those who are lost. If you're saved, thank God we don't have to stand before Christ and answer and pay the penalty for our sin. But we will pay. We will come to him and be judged because of our works. And I can't help but think, if I'm scared of that Cook County judge, how much more terrifying it would be. Brother Buchanan growing up, he used to say, it's not gonna be, we're not going to be uh, telling jokes in the back. We're not going to be having a good old time, ribbing each other and having a great time meeting with the Lord. We're all going to be called one by one. How long is that going to be till I wait till my name is called? I don't know what that day is going to look like. I don't know the terror. But the Bible says at the end, that knowing the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. And not just these two graduates, but all of us that are saved will be standing at this judgment seat. 
We won't be judged for our place in the family. Some will be saved and have rewards, and it'll be a wonderful thing. Some will be saved, the Bible says, so as by fire. The only thing you get is not hell. What an awful thing to live in eternity without rewards, to live in eternity, to go into that place and not do anything for Christ. I'm convicted by that. I can remember dad years ago preaching, I think it was on like a Wednesday night, a judgment seat. And I can remember that even as a child thinking, well, that's going to be a tough day. That's going to be a scary day. And like a graduation day, like a day where you get diplomas, like a day where you come up and sing and you present and uh, we award you, one day we're going to stand before Christ and we're going to get a chance to receive the rewards. Now realize, grace is unmerited. We get salvation for free, but we don't get rewards unmerited. We would all get upset if, if, uh, if our kids played a ball game in the gym or played on the football field, and at the end of the ball tournament, our seniors get up and we just say, everybody gets first place. It's okay, guys. Everybody tried hard. We would storm out. No way does everybody get an award. They didn't try. That team was the worst team here. And we just say, everybody gets first place. Because it's based on merit. And when we stand before the judgment seat of Christ, how could we, care, how could we compare an Apostle Paul to a Christian who's in the Laodicean age, who is a Laodicean Christian, who doesn't do anything for Christ, and he gets as many rewards as the Apostle Paul. And Paul says, I went through shipwreck. I went through fighting. I went through, I, I had my head chopped off. I was killed for Christ. Rewards will be based on merit. Our salvation isn't. And that's a scary thing. Let's look in verse number three. Reuben is the first one that comes. Jacob leans down and now says, it's Reuben. You're the firstborn. Verse three, Reuben, thou art my firstborn, my might and the beginning of my strength and the, excell uh, the excellency of dignity and the excellency of power. It all sounds good, but none of this he did for himself. He was just born. Verse four, listen to a dying man tell his firstborn son, you're unstable as water. Thou shalt not excel. Because thou wentest up to thy father's bed and defilest thou it, he went up into my couch. You remember that sin? You never got it taken care of. You never repented. You never came to me and asked for mercy. Today's the day that it comes up. Be sure your sin will find you out. Reuben had the birthright. Reuben had, they had a double portion coming to him. And, and Jacob said, you failed. His position in the family is recognized. You're a son. There's no question about your position. But when I gave you that, you, you took what I gave you and wasted it. This is the man that was going to follow Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You would think Jesus would come from Reuben, the firstborn. And Jacob looks at him and says, you'll never excel. You're unstable as water. You remember the sin. We don't have time, and we wouldn't want to get into the sordid details of his sin anyway. But if you read through Scripture, you see the sin of Reuben. And Jacob says, you didn't think I knew, but I know. Christ Jesus is going to tell us. I gave you that life. Look at what you did with it. What a terrifying thought. He won't forget. There's, there's not memory loss. I gave, you the, I, I gave you these works to do, and you just said, I'm too scared. He mentioned the parable of the talents this morning. I was too scared. Lord, you're an austere man. I was scared of you, so I hid my talent, and I didn't do anything with it. And the pastor stands behind the pulpit and begs for teachers and workers, and we sit idly by and say, I can't do it. I'm scared. I'm going to mess up. 
We ask for workers in the church. I can't do it. I'm scared I'm going to mess up. I can't commit. Saturdays are, are for fishing and hunting only. I'm all for fishing and hunting and all that stuff. We're not preaching against those things. But could we sacrifice some time for the Lord? Sunday afternoon, Sundays are for me to relax a little bit. And we just, we hem-haw in and out of church. And we just kind of throw halfway in, halfway out. The pastor and the staff and others try to get us involved. And we'll stand before Christ and answer for those things. And Christ said, I, I had a job for you. And that soul I was, I, was, I was bothering your heart about witnessing to, you never would. You're unstable as water. You're in and out of church. You're in and out of the Bible. You're in and out of, you're in and out of your prayer closet. You'll never excel. That's it. That's what Reuben hears from his dying father. Can you imagine him walking away to the back of that room with his head, head held low? Hearing Israel, who the country is named after, the people are named after, tell him how wrong he had been. Verse number five, next two are Simeon and Levi. Simeon and Levi are brethren, instruments of cruelty are in their habitations. O my soul, come now, uh, come thou, come not thou into their secret, unto their assembly, mine honor. Be thou, be not thou united, for in their anger they slew a man, in their self-will they dig down a wall. Cursed be their anger, for it was fierce, and their wrath, for it was cruel. Again, someone messed with their sister, and they said, we're going to kill you and all your friends and family. They took every male in the city and went after them and killed them all. They went overboard with their anger and killed a whole city. And they said, don't ever, touch, don't ever mess with our family, don't ever touch our sister again. We'll, and every male in that city was killed. And Jacob says, I remember that. It's brought to account. Report number two, these two guys have a terrible report. <laughs> he talked about, you know, this morning you get in trouble by the police. Somebody in that, that hot, can you imagine that day? Standing before Christ and you know there's no getting out of it, there's no excuse. There's no weaseling my way out. There's no paying a fine. I will stand before him. He will look at me with those eyes of fire. And he will judge me perfectly. I can remember getting in trouble at school as a kid. We're having school graduation. I can remember getting called to the principal's office. I can remember getting called to the teacher's desk. I'm like, please, it'll be my last time. Please, I won't do it again. You know, you just have a bad day. You're talking in class or something. And the teacher calls you up again. Please don't tell my parents. Please don't let my parents know. And you get your name on the board. And you get a check mark, and the next check mark. It's like, please, not the other one. The other one's going to be the principal's office. For Reuben, Simeon, Levi, maybe us in that day, is this going to be a day of terror? Like, I know I wasted my life. I know I wasted the time God gave me. Someone said, this is not a mercy seat. This is the judgment seat. Now, thank God for Christ, he opened the veil. We do get to enter into the mercy seat, but not in that day anymore. We'll be saved, hopefully not so as by fire. The call today is run to the mercy seat while we have a chance. Lord, I've been playing, I've been messing around, I've wasted these years, and I can't go back and change them. But from here on out, I've got to keep the judgment seat in mind. I don't want to be a Reuben or a Simeon or a Levi that hears a bad report from you one day. Boy, the older I get, the faster it goes. I think Paul Paul Schulmeyer was here. He <laughs> says uh, he said it's like a roll of toilet paper. The smaller it gets, the faster it goes. Our life goes fast. The older we get, it's like the fa we want it to stop, and it's not stopping. Eternity is awaiting us, and sometimes we are just languishing. Sometimes we're just playing around. We're going to stand before Him. I want to encourage you, young people. 
for those of you seniors, those of us that are a little bit older, some of us would trade places with you and go, give me one more shot, I'll do better. And we don't have that opportunity to be 18 anymore. Boy, if I could rewind my 20s, if I could rewind my 30s, if I could just have a shot to do it again. And the, the, the call to the young people in here, those of us that are younger, please listen to the preacher as he preaches. Listen to the Bible. Listen to the Lord as he tells you. Remember, that day is coming. Judgment is coming. We told people Nebraska, the whole, the quote we got, if I could just put it as a quote, it was Nebraska, question mark, exclamation point, question mark, Nebraska, Nebraska, what's in Nebraska? I'm like, I don't know, corn. <laughs> Why leave your church and come here and deal with this? I think pretty okay where you were, right? I talked to Brother TJ when he left. He's just like, ah, I can't, I can't do, I don't know what I'm, I can't do this. It was, we're all trying to parse out and figure out what can we do. I know what I can do. Lord, here's my plan. Just sign off on it. And the Lord says, no, it's time to do something else. And, but I don't want to. Why move to the Midwest? Why move away? Because this day is coming. And I couldn't look at my wife and kids and say, everybody do right and follow the Lord and not follow him ourselves, not follow him myself. That judgment seat day, seat day is coming. Maybe the Lord's going to talk to us and say, remember that time I tried to move you and you wouldn't do it? Remember that message? Remember that time? Remember that time, that season in life I was bothering you and you wouldn't listen? I had rewards for you. I had things to gain for you. I had an eternity waiting with rewards for you, but you wouldn't take advantage. Why Nebraska? Why Hattiesburg? Why do we move? Why do we go? Why are some of these guys trying? Because the Hebrew says it, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. That's why. I'm not looking for a job. I'm not looking for a career. We need to be looking for Jesus, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be wearied and faint in your minds. There are days I get wearied. There are days I want to faint. There are days I think, I don't want to do this anymore. I want to be a little kid. God, just send me back home. I want to go back home. But lest you be wearied and faint in your minds, he was wearied that day. He was wearied at the cross. Consider him. Consider him on the cross at that day of judgment. Consider that the day of judgment is coming. Let's do his will. We have another report. We're not going to go through all these guys. Verse number eight. Judah, thou art he whom thy brethren shall praise. Thy hand shall be in the neck of thine enemies. Thy father's children shall bow down before thee. Judah is a lion's whelp from the prey. My son, thou art gone up. He stooped down. He couched as a lion and as an old lion. Who shall rouse him up? The scepter shall not depart from Judah. This is Christ. The king is going to be in this line. Nor a lawgiver from between his feet until Shiloh. Shiloh means peace. Christ is coming through this line. Until Shiloh come. And unto him shall be gathered the gathering of the people be. Verse 12. His eyes shall be red with wine. That's his blood. And his teeth white with milk. Someone said the, the, the blood, the grapes in verse 11 is Christ's blood on the cross. The blood in verse number 12, the grapes in verse number 12, the wine is the, is the blood of his enemies. He won the battle at Calvary. He's going to win the battle at the end. But Judah gets a good report. And if you know Judah, just, you know, again, there's some nasty details in the book of the Bible, uh, in, the, in Genesis here. Judah, I feel like, was as bad as the other guys. But somehow he got a good report. You're going to have Jesus Christ come through. You're going to have the Messiah come through your line. How did that happen? If you remember, it was Judah that came to Joseph that day when Joseph said, bring me your youngest. And Judah says, if I bring my youngest, my father will die. 
And they go home, and Jacob says, you're not bringing him. And Judah says, well, we're going to starve. And finally, Benjamin, the youngest, goes. And Joseph sees his brother. And Joseph plants, you know, he plants the evidence on them and sends them on their way and tells the guys to go catch. You know the story. And they have to come back, and Joseph's playing with them. And says, how, how, how could you steal my stuff out of my house? It was in Benjamin's. I'm going to keep him. And Judah fell down and says, you cannot keep him. My dad's going to die. I feel like Judah was the guy that fell down and wept. Judah was the guy that fell down and begged for forgiveness. Judah was the guy that fell down and at least came to some sort of repentance. I don't know his whole story. The Bible doesn't give us all his story. But it seems to be that he was the one trying to lead the way and say, hey. As a matter of fact, when he was saying that, that's when Joseph finally broke down and told everybody, get out of the room. And he fell apart in front of his brothers and says, I'm your brother Joseph. But for some reason, Judah gets a good report. And I think it was because of that day that he was saying, please have mercy. He said, our iniquities have found us. Please have mercy. It's not, a, it's not a mercy seat in that day, but thank God we're still alive on this earth. It's not come yet. Find mercy. If you are dabbling and playing and messing around with sin, you had better find mercy today. Repent. The day of the Lord is at hand, remembering the terror that he is. If we can encourage each other, seniors, don't get involved in things you shouldn't. There's a world waiting you to mess you up in sin. And if you say no and repent, you might be an outcast in this world, but you won't be outcast with Christ standing before you at that day. Judah got a good report. Judah got the line of Jesus Christ through him. How, what can God bless us with if we would just give up sin and give up ungodliness and say, I'm, I'm yours, I repent, I repent fully, I want to get right. Cleanse me, purge me with hyssop, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. I feel like, Joseph, Joseph, I feel like Judah found a place of repentance that the others didn't because he sinned just like they did. If we skip down to verse number 20, we have another report, a guy named Asher. We don't know much about this guy. Why? He's the, he's, he's the second son of the handmaid of the wife that, uh, that uh, Jacob didn't even want. He wasn't the firstborn. He was of the handmaid. He wasn't of Leah. He was of the handmaid, and he wasn't firstborn. And Joseph didn't even, uh, Joseph, I'm sorry, I'm going to say Joseph, the whole message. Jacob didn't even want her. Remember, he worked for Leah, didn't want Leah. Leah came along with the, with the with handmaid and all this. Asher's the second born. You talk about the middle child of all middle children. <laughs> I saw you, Miss Autumn. You probably left Chelsea here somewhere still. She's, she's, she's walking around waiting for you to pick her up. Chelsea was the middle child. She always got left here. We're after a ball game, and she's like, I'm the middle child. This happens like every week. Here comes the Denmarks. We forgot Chelsea. We all know. Look at what it says about Asher in verse number 20. Out of Asher, his bread shall be fat, and he shall yield royal dainties. God likes nobodies. He's a nobody from nowhere. Probably they forgot about him in the room, and Asher gets a good report. Thank God it doesn't matter the talents you have. It doesn't matter what God has given you. Use what you've got and be faithful. You may not ever stand and preach. You may not ever be in front of people. You may not have the accolades that everyone else has. Just be faithful. God has not forgotten about you. Be faithful. Some people... It feels like they have everything. They have talent to do everything. They can make money. Everything they touch turns to gold. And I just, we're just, some of us are just struggling to get by. Be faithful with what God's given you. Be an Asher. Nobody remembers me. Nobody knows my name. I'm not some great tribe. I'm not Judah. I'm not the firstborn. I'm not, I'm not Benjamin and Joseph. Everybody remembers those stories. But here, Asher gets a good report from his father. His bread shall be fat. Fat in the Bible is a good thing. Some of us don't want the fat, but uh, in the Bible we would. 
he shall yield his royal dainties. Skip on down to verse 22. We know this one. Justin mentioned him already. Joseph is a fruitful bough, even a fruitful bough by a well whose branches run over. Can you see Jacob as he's, he's winding down? I mean, he's, he's literally breathing his last breaths. Come here, Joseph. You're the one. Verse 23, the archers have sorely grieved him and shot at him and hated him, but his bow abode in strength. Verse 25, even by the God of my, thy father who shall help thee and by the Almighty who shall bless thee with blessings of heaven above. We just count the number of times he says blessings in the passage of Joseph. He just blesses Joseph and blesses him and blesses him and blesses him. Joseph already knew his report. If we turn a page or two back, he had already blessed his sons, Ephraim and Manasseh. Joseph already knew what he had been through and how he reacted. Let's rewind Reuben's life and uh, some of these other guys' life versus Joseph. Some of these others were involved in immorality and ungodliness. Potiphar's wife came after Joseph and he said no. Nobody would have known. And he said no. His brothers hated him. He did nothing wrong. He's a picture of Christ. He didn't do anything wrong. Of course, he was a sinner, but he's a picture of Christ. He was innocent of the crimes they, th they threw him out, told his father he is d he's dead, sold him into slavery, went into Egypt. Everything he ever did was good. He always stewarded life. Whatever life he was thrown into, he stewarded it well, and God rose him up. Now he's second in command of Egypt, and God has raised him up at the last time. God has helped him to be the savior of his people, to save him from famine. But Joseph already knew what was going on. Joseph knew the life he lived, and Joseph was already blessed by his father. His sons were already blessed by his father a chapter earlier. It reminds of Paul. Paul in 2 Timothy said, I fought a good fight. Some of us, we, we almost have the misconception that I can't have a good day that day. I can't be rewarded. It's just going to be too hard. Again, that's the one talent guy talking. Lord, you were austere. You were a scary person, and I knew you were going to reap, and I was too scared to do, so I buried what I had, and I just held on to your coming. And the Lord says, I didn't give you the gifts that I gave you so you could hold on. I gave you things to use. Now work. And Joseph got to work, and Joseph got busy. And Paul got busy. And Paul said, there's laid up for me a crown. I know I'm going there, and I'm ready to be offered. My time is at hand. My race is run. My can, can you imagine getting to the end of your life and knowing, I'm not scared. I'm going to heaven, and I live my life to the fullest for my Lord. I will be rewarded. Paul said it. Joseph was ready for it. 1 John 4 says, Herein is, love, herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear. If that day, and talking about that day, brings to mind fear, I understand we have a respect and we have a fearful motivation, but if that day we know it's going to be bad because we've misused our previous life, let's get busy. There's still a couple of guys in Scripture that knew that day was coming and they were fine with it. What if that was me and you? Can you imagine Christ Jesus standing in front of you and saying, well done? All that you've been through, all that life, and he said, I didn't forget about you. I saw you and you were faithful. Well done. So the question for all of us is where will we be on that day? Who will we be on that day? We have other brothers in here. We don't have time to go through this judgment seat of Jacob. He pulls his feet up and dies. And some of those prophecies came true. Simeon? Had to have Judah to help him win battles in the promised land. They needed help. They were kind of absorbed into Judah. It was just kind of like some of these tribes 
struggled because of the father of the tribe and what they did. Judah went on, and Christ was born out of that line because of his testimony. The question is, which will you be on today? It's great to get a diploma today. Great. And we praise you for it, and it's great, and all of it's good. But what about one day getting that diploma? What about one day that certificate? What about one day that, that reward? Not from a principal, not from a teacher, not from a judge here on earth, but from the supreme judge of all the earth that created me. And he says, great job, well done. You used your life for me. How many times? And I shudder to think, and I'm frustrated with myself like many of us, have I stood up here and preached or taught, and it wasn't the Holy Spirit. It was just me. How many times did I stand in a school classroom, Christian school teacher, how many times have you stood in that classroom and the Holy Spirit wasn't with you, the fullness of the power of the Spirit wasn't with you, you were just in your own power, and you were doing good works without him. I think those will be wood, hay, and stubble on that day. And we'll look at this great thing that all these works that we did in our flesh, and the Lord said, you had your reward on earth because you didn't do it with me involved. What a scary thought. Even those of us that, that work at a church, that do God's work. Spirit's not filled us. I mean, we have him. We're in the family. But he's not animated. We're manufacturing programs and we're manufacturing things so the pastor won't get on to me, so everybody sees I'm doing my thing. And the Lord says, that's not the motivation I'm interested in. How many days have I wasted? How many years have I wasted? God forbid, how many decades have we wasted serving God in the flesh, in our carnal man, and we might even be surprised that day, but Lord, I was on staff at a church. I thought that was good enough. And he said, well, you didn't do it with me helping you. What a scary thing. Which one will we, on, will we be on that day? Will we get the well done? Will we get a reward? Justin, Joseph, man, I'm so proud of you guys. So great to be back. We're proud of what you've accomplished. And we're looking forward to hear all the things you do accomplish. But guys... May of 2023 is going to pale in comparison to that day. If he tells you, great job, well done, it's going to be worth everything. It's a reminder to deal with unconfessed sin. Do we have unconfessed sin in our life? We better find the mercy seat. The mercy seat is open. Christ has died. The veil has been torn. We can go right to him and get sin confessed. Let's get sin confessed and let's, let's make sure its consequences don't affect us in that day. If we're serving faithfully, maybe we're an asher. I don't know, I just don't know my place. I'm not, I wish I was better at everything, but I can't, I'm just this much. I, I, all these other people have this much to offer, and I'm just this little. Then serve faithfully with what you've got. Christ knows where you are. Well, let's all strive to hear, let's all strive to hear what Joseph heard, though. No matter what happens, I was faithful. Are you walking in the Spirit today, or are you just doing it out of habit? Are you walking in the Spirit? Does the Holy Spirit use you and fill you or are you just doing it because this is the way we've always done it second corinthians says we must all appear before the judgment seat of christ that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done whether it be good or bad knowing therefore the terror of the lord we persuade men let's persuade each other and remind each other of that day coming let's provoke one another to good works let's pray heavenly father thank you for the time together thank you for the